Okay, so, so let's stop. Five, four, three, two, one. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Parenting Unknown Podcast. My name is Matt. Thanks again for listening for the week. Hopefully, everything is going well with everyone at this time. As I'm talking to you, I believe it's going to be March, but if not April, so just bear with me. Hopefully, March. Kids are getting bigger to the point where they need bigger clothes. You know when that happens, when they have these little growth spurs, when they come up to you and say, my legs hurt. I'm like, what do you want me to do about it? But no, reality, you know, they're they're growing. And it's happened to my boy two, three times maybe this past year. And my girl just had one a couple of days ago. So sure enough, those shorts are getting well above the knee. And my boy, my girl picks up her arms and some of her shirts, you know, the shirt goes over the valley, a little crop top. That's a sign that they're growing. It's a sign that they need clothes. And shoes, it's funny because right now for shoes, they're at that point, they're at that age where they don't care if it's Nike, Adidas, Vans, anything like that. All they want is those shoes that you can buy at Target or Walmart that have their favorite characters on them. So right now it's Max has Paw Patrol shoes and Mia, she has a mixture of some Paw Patrol shoes and Frozen shoes. And trust me, they have different shoes that they can wear, different colors, some blacks, obviously, some pinks and purples, but they stick to these shoes like life or death. And it's good because you've seen this video of this guy, you know, walking through the store, laughing at you, saying, you know, you, you're spending 100 bucks on Jordans, $80 on, you know, what it, so-and-so. So look at my kids. All they want is these shoes with Spider-Man. Cost me less than 20 bucks. And it's funny because there's so many people out there that they like to spend a ridiculous amount on some of these, uh, some of these, I guess, either brand, des- brand design or high-label items and in reality, these kids are going to mess them up as soon as they put them on. So if you're one of those people that value, like, you know, don't crease the sneakers or take care of their kids. So the kids love these shoes. It's a meet in halfway. It's a win-win for everybody. I don't know if they're still around, but maybe until I was like in the fourth, fifth grade. Well, I think about Payless shoes. It was Payless. Um, you get LA gear. And that really was about it. In the school social realm, those are the acceptable ones. Payless, LA gear, anything else you really would get made fun of. Like it was quote unquote bootleg. So you couldn't wear like the air shoes, which is the knockoff of the air, you know, either air, air Jordans or Nike, one of those. Couldn't wear those. There was Adidas. There was, I think you got laughed for wearing Shaq shoes. I'm not sure I have to get back on you. But definitely there was this social acceptance of what you could and couldn't wear. And then once you get in middle school, you start seeing kids, then you got to, okay, let me get a pair of Vans. Let me get some Nikes, whatever. Now they're little kids, they don't care. I'm pretty sure your kids don't really don't care either. If they're around my kid's age. In this episode, I'm talking about low father standards. What are low father standards to me? They're examples that I saw. They are the examples that I saw throughout my young, most impressionable years. With all these examples, it leads the notion of being okay with having low dad standards. The dads that I've seen were were there, but not really there, if you know what I mean. In our family, it was expected for the dad to either leave, cheat, be a drunk, or be a drug addict. 
there was no really encouraging on being the best dad that you can be or anything like that. It was just pretty much sink or swim. It was just counting down like, well, it's a matter of time before he leaves her. It's a matter of time before he gets messed up again and he tries to hit her. And I'm not saying this to talk shit. I'm saying this because I've heard this in my own ears. And it's the sad, sad truth. My father wasn't the best. He was a man-child, immature, cared more about drinking with his friends, than spending time with me. And I seemed to continue throughout the high school years, too. He'll pick me up, but for a long while, the majority of the time, he took me to the park where he and his friends hung out to drink. And I was just told to go walk around for a while and walk in circles while he, they got high and drunk. Real inspiring, right? We would go to the movies, he would get high before the movie, we would sneak food in, and he would knock out for two hours. Wake up, see what time it is, oh, I don't have to drop him off for another so-and-so hours. Then we would go see another movie, and he would sleep. So, yeah, the interaction was really great. <laughs> and, you know, he gave my grandma some sort of money to keep child support out. So by doing that, picking me up, maybe once a month to go drinking, and his drinking, not mine, or the movies later than that. I got older, we went to concerts. He felt like he did his job. All this time that I spent with them, there was never that father-son bond. I didn't feel that connection. I was told he was my dad, and I just kind of went along with it. But I tried opening up, and sadly, it got me nowhere. Not once was I asked how was I doing, if I'm doing okay at home, or even at school. Not how things are going with my grandma, how things are going with me and my uncle. None of that. It was more like, yo, what up, bro? Want a beer? Later on, you want a hit? Hey, look at that girl's ass. Followed by a ha ha. Well, not like that. It was more like of an annoying, like, ha ha ha. Like, if that makes any sense. It's all annoying. You know, fuck that. From the ages of six to six, from the ages to like, well, seven to 16, I didn't need that. As the years passed, my respect for him just went down and down and down to the point where I myself, I was lost. I know what you're thinking. If your dad was a deadbeat, what about the uncle you live with? Well, smartass. Yes, he did help raise me along with my grandma, and I will forever be thankful. Let's face it. Certain situations like this, you could always end up in a worse position. But again, I lost my connection with my dad, and also I was absent from my uncle. All jokes aside, I felt like... I was his emotional support system when I was a kid. That's why now it's so important for me personally to teach my kids emotions so that they could hold their own. Teaching them, I'm teaching myself aside so I could be a double pillar for them. I could be something that they could lean on. They're going through something, they could talk to me and say, hey, I'm going through this. I'm already set with mine, so I want to talk to them and say, you know what, let's break it down. Let's see how, how, how far we could go to help you feel better. Or to see things in your mind to, to clear things up, give you some more clarity, you know. And being his emotional support system as a kid, if I felt like it should be, it should have been the other way around. I needed a rock to lean on, not the other way around. Especially at that that young age, and kids should just be dealing with kid shit, playing with toys, learning. If they go to traditional school, all the school politics with the other kids and. Just having fun. That's it. They shouldn't worry about being an adult's emotional support system. They shouldn't worry about, you know, cleaning up the house. There's one thing the other day, my, my wife that I loved, I loved hearing about her. We, we know we're cleaning and the kids just want to do what we're doing. Sometimes when we clean up, they just want to help out. So as we're either mopping or scrubbing something, whatever it is, you know, the other day my wife told them like, you know what? 
thank you guys. I appreciate it. But you don't have to clean like this. You do not have to worry about cleaning or anything like that. All you got to do is pick up your toys here and there. And that's it. Anything else, you don't worry about it. Can I just show you that what these kids should be focusing on? What the kids should be worrying about? Not about cleaning, not about being an emotional support system. It's just about being kids. And it's too much to think about at a young age. It's too much to think about now. But now, I, like I said, I really do have to make sure I set things right and be the support system for my kids. I think sometimes, well, but thanks to those painfully suppressed years, I learned to deal with a lot. Dealing with a lot mentally in my head and by taking different outlets to make myself feel more leveled. But in recent years, some of that stopped working. I had my wife who I could talk my ear off. But even that, I felt bad because some of the stuff I would say can kind of be hard on her. So I couldn't just say everything all at once. I have to release it in small doses. One of the things that I told her that got her a bit sad was one day we were driving home from a road trip and we were hearing music. And just out of nowhere, I said, I've always loved music. Music is everything for me. I know it's, I know to some it's just that, but for me, it's just much, much more. It's been there for me when I had no one else. It's the mother's love that I never felt. And she stopped and like she turned her head and looked at me and just said, how sad. It took me a couple seconds to really realize what I just said. And I guess it just came out. I wasn't trying to like, you know, today's going to make my wife sad day of my own emotions. And there wasn't anything like that. It was just, I forgot what song it was. I don't know if it was the Beatles or something, but it was just one of those songs where it makes you feel good. It makes you happy. It makes you feel genuine. And it just came out about me loving music. And with me saying I love the music, this other thing also came out behind it to affirm why I love this so much. And in the process, it was one of those like, damn, you emo little shit. But you know, it just came out. This podcast has been a tremendous outlet. So for those of you tuning in every week, listening, I do, from the bottom of my heart, truly thank you. My foundation that I want with myself is to be a dad to build emotional confidence with my kids. It's easy for us to say, teach them about sports and confidence, take them here and there. That's fine for you and your kids, but I want mine to discover it on their own. I want them to have that emotion to say, you know, hey, this is what's going on. What is this? I want that natural spark of interest. I want them to not be afraid to try new things. I don't want to force what I like on them. I love museums. I wouldn't force it on my kids. But if they're like, you know, it's cool, if they don't like it, if they do like it, let's say they don't like it, that's fine with me. Let's find something that you do like. But I do feel like it all starts with helping explore emotions. Kids are thrown to the ringer way too fast. With school and how fast all that info is thrown at them, kids are learning about bullies, cliques, and the feeling about not being good enough to compare to the other kids. There's really no natural room to grow. You just got to go forward and let's face it, some of these things that we worry about, they get skipped. And I'm only talking about my kids, of course. These are the things I want to have for them one thing I want for my kids is to actually have a childhood. And again, I'm only talking about my kids. I expect others' opinions and most importantly, their own individual parenting style. But for me, it's breaking that cycle. Not being afraid to go against the stream. Not just along. Not going to... I'm not going to have my kids be emotional wrecks by the time they're 10. I've seen that. I've lived that. And let's face it, it's not too good. So with everything that I've seen as a dad... It was everything that I, I strive not to be now as a father. Because I had cousins 
I seen that they love their dad, but the way the outside people seen, well, it wasn't so good. Let's face it. I was raised by women. Including my uncle, in a sense. I was raised by women. And the only male figures that were kind of in reach were my aunt's husbands, who my aunts would talk shit about. It was my father, who my family would talk shit about. It was my uncle, who, like I said, was more like an aunt, but was praised as holier than thou. Couldn't do no harm, couldn't own up to anything. So this outlet for positive enforce was just was not there. So seeing this, being part of a group of friends where their dads were not the greatest, or either that, if they were trying, let's face it, they would get shit talked to so much because they were affiliate. They were either part of a gang, they were freshly straight coming out of jail. So instead of, you know, hey, you're doing good, keep it up, try a little more, you know what? They're just going to mess up again. Why even bother? They're just going to hit the needle again. Why even bother? And from my mother's side of the family, all the dads were not there. I talked before, there was 10 kids. And with those 10 kids, there was a good set of mm, five, five fathers. Some of whom, which my, my grandfather, my, my mother's father, we were the side family. <laughs> yeah, you hear those classic Mexican stories where, you know, a guy from Mexico leaves a country, comes to America to work, send money back home so they could live better. And at the same time, start a family out here. So now that primary family, that first family, now the side family. When I found out my mom, my grandma, my aunt being part of the side family business, I couldn't do anything but laugh. Like it was just, of course, with everything going on, with everything that was, of course, that would be a part of it. And my uncle from my grandfather's side, he told me that his dad would always tell him that he had a couple sisters roaming around, but that's for a different story of how I, how I met or how I found my uncle on my grandfather's side. But it just shows that that expertise, that example, that standard, I didn't have a high bar to climb over. Most of the time, I just had to be present. I just had to love my kids, provide for them, not mess up with my wife or anything. And that was pretty much it. But that's such a low standard as is that I feel like that should be standard in what you take up this role to be a father or a husband. You should be there all the time. You should be there to support your wife. You should be there to support your kids, you know, have fun, play with them be their support system. You, sh- you should already have done that. But I'm just seeing like how low my family held these standards on. And it, it caused a lot of hurt. You can see it on my aunts. You can see it on my cousins. It's caused a lot of hurt. But when you're stuck in this mud, there's really no way to turn to. There's really no way to go. It just seems like, you know, this is normal. I guess this is what I got to do. That's why I mean, in a sense, breaking free, I was able to see all this stuff. I was able to see the low father standards that my family's carried, that others have carried. And for a second, you feel like, hey, that's just what you got to be. That's just what you got to do. But in reality is, no one wants to talk about breaking free. No one wants to talk about ditching your family's shit because, well, let's face it, that's your family. And you're taught at a very young age that your family is everything. You should stick together. And all that good stuff. And for the most part, most families do. I've seen a couple that do, and I'm envious, but I've seen that they're happy and like, I wanted that. But it's not to say that I can't build something like that with my family right now. My wife and my two kids, maybe a third one on the way. I don't know. Maybe a third one, just maybe. Don't hold me up to that. You know, I could build from within right now. I've seen what a broken home does. I've seen what a broken family is. And now I have that recipe to avoid. 
it's like having a cheat sheet of having all the do's and don'ts. What not to do. And I'm fortunate enough to have these don'ts. So now I could focus on the do's. That makes, that makes any sense. Remember, sometimes I'm all over the place, so bear with me. I'm aware of these. It's these standards that I got instilled in myself to keep myself moving forward and most importantly, the kids. So if you're yourself a dad listening to this, or even if you're a female, don't sell yourself short of experiencing these little father standards. Take what you have, look at it, analyze it, try to build from the bottom up. Just because what's going on in your family doesn't have to be that way in your intermediate household. You can always change, you can always break free, you can always loosen the restraints of what's considered normal in your you know, family little circle. Just don't be afraid to take that step. Don't be afraid to want to change. Don't be afraid to want to do better for yourself. That's such a weird thing to say. Don't be afraid to do better for yourself. But I feel like in our culture, that's just instilled in us. You're expected just to work, 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 and that's it. And if you want to do something that's going to do better for yourself, it's kind of like, well, you don't love yourself. You don't love your family. You know, what, what's going on? So just don't be afraid. So thanks again for listening for another week. Hopefully everything is going well when you hear this. And until next time.